Yes, God, we believe it. We declare you alone are worthy. You deserve all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, all of our attention and affections today. Speak to our hearts through your word, God. We want to experience you. We want to know you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. So there was a crowd. We haven't talked a lot about what was in the crowd, but it wouldn't take long for us to deduce that in that crowd was ordinary, everyday people with lots of problems. If you get a group together, you got lots of problems. If you get two people together, you got lots of problems. See in the crowd. So in the crowds, there was brokenness. In the crowds, there was illness. In the crowds, there was probably all kinds of mental illnesses. In the crowd, there was probably, you know, brothers and sisters that hadn't spoken to each other in a long time. In the crowd, there were businessmen that had competed for jobs were in the crowd. In the crowd were people who had been abused as children. In the crowd were people that didn't think they had any friends. Even in the crowd, they didn't think they had any friends. In the crowd, there were people that were lost spiritually, of course, but lost emotionally, lost in hope, and, and just didn't have any kind of direction. I mean, you can pretty much assemble a crowd today and put them all together and ask, what are your needs? What are your problems? And the same exact things will be in this crowd. It's just the way it is. When we live outside of God's power, God's strength, God's wisdom, we're going to find the same kind of issues in a crowd. And so, not they were hungry, and Jesus feeds them, and we see that down the road. But before that, you have uh, just ordinary, everyday people with their hurts and their pains in this crowd. And so, in this it, as a result of the crowd and what Jesus knows about their heart, he goes up on top of the mountain, and up on top of the mountain, he goes there, and uh, he sits down and his disciples come to him. And so for the purpose of helping the people in the crowd, Jesus shares them with all these things that we've been going through these past few Sundays. Now we come to verse 13. Verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says to disciples, you are salt and you are light. 
Now, Jesus, the great teacher, Jesus, the great leader, Jesus, the great vision caster. That's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is casting vision to his disciples that are going to be the tip of the spear. They are going to be the first ones that are going to make a difference in the crowd. And pay attention to what he says to them. He says, you are salt and you are light. And that's his beginning to cast his vision. So it's important to Jesus that the disciples know who they are. Because obviously to Jesus, who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. And Jesus values more who you are than what we do. Because who we are, it obviously uh, you know, dictates what we do. And who we are dictates how, what we do more than we did before. You know, more perseverance, more, more is deeper, it's stronger, who we are. It's not flighty, it's not something you can't count on. Because who we are is more important than what we do. And Jesus uses salt and light. It's very interesting about salt and light. Now, we've got to look back then to understand uh, what Jesus means when he says you are salt and light. Because if we look at salt and light now, we can't get the right meaning to salt and light and the right emphasis and, and, and the right, the multiplicity of salt and light. So today, if you go to Walmart, you can buy a 26 ounce little thing of salt for about a buck 50. Yeah, salt. Put a little salt on your fries. Put a little salt on your meat. Put a little salt here and there. You know, salt. But salt is not really valuable today. Today we've got garlic salt. We've got all these different kinds of salts. And you've got, you know, you've got salt from the Celtic Sea and all this stuff going on. And, and you have Dead Sea salt and all this kind of stuff. But then salt was really valuable. Salt was a big deal. Today, we have refrigeration. Then, they didn't have refrigeration. So when Jesus said to those boys, you are salt, they went, what? We're salt? Oh my. Today, if you walked up to somebody and says, hey dude, you're salt. Thanks. You know, I, I wish he'd have said I was T-bone. That'd have been a better deal. You know, I wish he'd have said that I was, you know, bag of chips or something, but, but salt, yeah, I'm salt, yeah, I'm salt. But to those disciples, you are salt. That really exploded. For us to say you are light, no big deal. We take it for granted every single day. When you woke up this morning, you may have woken, woke up in a dark room, but what'd you do? You turned on the light. And it's easy for us to turn a light. We have what they call electricity. Now, in the disciples' day and time, in the day in which Jesus is saying these words first, the first time these words are spoken, light was a big deal. Can you imagine how dark it is? I mean, you've, hopefully we've all had an opportunity to travel away from the light pollution around all the big cities, right? 
and you got out in the middle of nowhere and you realize just how dark dark is there's no street lamps there, there, there's no glow from the nearby town or nearby city. I mean, it's really, really dark. Now, if you live out in the country and it's really, really dark, no one takes off across the pasture without a light. Because when it's really, really dark, you don't know where you're stepping. You don't know what you're about to walk over. You don't know about snakes. You don't know about barbed wire. You don't know about all these things out there, right? And so in their day and time, when the sun went down, it was dark. I mean, dark, dark, dark. And they had to have some light. Light comforted, light gave direction, light guided. And so light is extremely, extremely valuable. And of course, light was a torch. It they, would, they would take sticks and put some petroleum product on those sticks and wrap it, you know, with different garments and put the petroleum part on the garments and they would light it and hopefully it would last for a while. Candles in the, in the rooms, torches outside, but something that would guide. And so it's valuable to them. And so what Jesus is saying here to salt and light, he's saying you are valuable, you are necessary, you are important, you are change agents, and you are influencers. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. You are. Now the crowd is down the hill there, guys. The crowd is difficult. The crowd has needs. The crowd is just, they're, they're, they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And we are here to help the crowd. We are here to minister to the people around us. And, and you don't know this yet, but I'm going to commission you to go into this world and share the good news about Jesus. And, and you've got to understand that as you go, that you are salt and you are light. Because who you are is more important than what you do. And I just want you to show up around the crowds and just be you and be salt and be light. So let's look at salt, verse 13. What does it mean to be salt? First of all, these first four words are very important. You means all y'all. That's what it means. It's plural. Use guys. You, all y'all. I think Jesus said all y'all. That's where it first was spoken right there. Jesus says all y'all are. He said, all y'all being not doing. That's not good grammar, but that's what it means to be. Being not doing. All y'all being not doing. In our minds, we need to get that. Being not doing. Being not doing. Who I am matters more than what I do. All y'all being not doing. The means only ones. All y'all being not doing. Only ones salt. And so as Jesus has got these, these disciples around him, he's saying to them, all y'all, each one of you, you're being not doing. Who you are matters than what, more than what you do. You're the only ones. I'm starting with you 12. If you don't do it, it's not going to be done. Jesus would stand here today and say, you're the only ones. If you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. 
If you're not salt and light in this world, no one else is going to be salt and light in the world. People may have some compassion for people in the crowds. People may have some ideas, but only the good news can rescue the crowd and help the crowd and benefit the crowd. And so Jesus says to us today exactly the same thing he said to the disciples back then. We are valuable. We are important. We are necessary. We are change agents and we are influencers. And so all y'all, who you are means more than what you do. You're the only ones. If you don't do it, nobody else will. You are salt. And salt is valuable. Salt then was used to preserve food. It was the refrigeration. And so if you had meat, if you had some fish, if you had some, some uh, different kinds of you know, meat products that you wanted to keep for a while, the only way that you could keep that was to have some salt. And you would put the, the meat in the salt and it would preserve it for a while. Now, it's not going to preserve it like a freezer would, but it's going to preserve it for longer than otherwise they would have. Salt also flavored food then like it flavors food now. And, and, and so most likely those two ideas is most likely what Jesus means here that you are the salt of the earth. Now, salt was also a symbol of purity because of its white color. Salt was used to seal an agreement. It's important. It was valuable. And so if you were making an agreement with someone and said, hey, I want you to come over and I want you to, you know, you're, I'm going to, we're, we're making an agreement. I'm going to buy these four or five acres from you. And so you would get together and you would seal the agreement today. We'd come together with a bunch of paperwork, right? And we would sign the dotted line. Then they would seal the agreement. They says, I promise to pay you a certain amount of money. And they would oftentimes take salt and they would throw it over their shoulder. And, and that was just a way of saying salt being of real value, of real importance. This is how important this deal means. I'm going to keep this deal. And they would toss it over the shoulder. And so it just, you know, notes to how valuable salt was. Salt was often used to pay the Roman soldiers. You know, if they're out there in the field, out in Israel, or a long way from Rome, they would often pay the soldiers with salt because it was valuable. And, and these soldiers had to have salt because it would help them to be able to dry out the meat and be able to dry out the fish and keep it for a while. And, and that's where the saying came from, he is not worth his salt. You probably have said that. You didn't realize where it came from. It came from the Romans. The Romans would pay people salt and said, that old boy right there, he ain't worth his salt. What's it mean? He's not a real good soldier. He's not, he's not, you know, he's not carrying his weight here. And so that's an interesting thing. And the Greeks called salt theon, which means divine. So these are all wonderful meanings for salt. And, and most likely it's either salt's quality to, to preserve or salt's quality in taste. Because in both uses of that term, it means that Salt influences. Salt benefits society. Salt helps people. Salt is, a, is something everyone has got to have. And it's beneficial. And so Jesus says to these disciples, I want you to go in the crowds and I want you to be salt. Make a difference in people's lives. Influence people. And so... 
That's what Jesus says. He's casting vision. Now it says here that if salt loses its taste or loses its saltiness, then what good is it? Now, salt doesn't lose its saltiness by itself. What happens is, is that sand, dirt, other things would be mixed with the salt and the salt would be contaminated. And that's what that refers to there. What do you do when salt becomes contaminated? When, when, when it gets mixed with something else that's going to dilute the saltiness, well, you just throw it out on the pavement so people can walk on it. That's what you do. And that's what Jesus says there. And so he wants us to be unblemished. He wants us to be not fence straddlers. He wants us to be all in. He saying to us, as salt, be salt. Israel, with, with a group here from our church, we left in the evening, it was dark, we left Magdala, where Mary Magdalene was from. And, and they have been doing some excavation there in Magdala. And uh, you can go to the first century synagogue and most likely Mary Magdalene went there. Most likely Jesus walked in that place too. So it's really cool. But when we were leaving there, up on, now the Sea of Galilee is like a great big bowl. And I don't know how high the, the mounts around there are, but it's a pretty good rise up to the mountain. It's, it's, it, and so when we were pulling away from there, up the mountain, up that, that pretty sizable hill, was one lamp on. I got goosebumps. It was, it, was, it was like seminary for me. It was better than seminary for me, actually. And I saw that light up there, and I went, Aha, you are the light of the world. Jesus was here when he said that. You are the light of the world. When Jesus says you are the light of the world, everyone knew. So you fish all day. It gets dark. You live in that village. Mama puts a light on. You can see how to go. Now if there, I just said, man, you'd have to really know what to do and how to go about getting from here to there without that light on. That would comfort them on the way. That would give them direction. They're not going to wander around that hillside all night long trying to find that village. They're going to be able to find it. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a little village on top of that hill, you could see it because there was one lamp on. There was one light on. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Don't go in the closet don't isolate yourself. Don't put your light in a basket, Jesus says here. You put it on a sand, on a stand so it can glow, it can, it, can, it can move the darkness away. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So light guides us. Light comforts us. If it's really dark and you turn the lights on, oh, that so, feels so much better. It can just be a single candle and it just, it just brings comfort because when it gets totally dark and you're standing up, you're not, you lose your balance. If you go down the Sonora Caverns and get down in there and then the deepest you can go in there, they turn the lights out so you can, you can experience complete darkness. And when they turn the lights out, you kind of lose your balance a little bit. And, and, and I remember being in there and people that was in our group had walked down there after a little bit someone says please turn the lights back on you know because it's, it just makes you cringe in there 
And then just one little light comes on and go, oh, I can find my balance again. I know where I am because that's what light does for us. Light reveals. Light helps people travel and navigate when they couldn't otherwise see. So light is to be lit. Light is not to be covered up. And we are to let the light that we already have shine. We are to be who we are in Christ. So salt and light together. You put these two together, you are valuable. You are necessary. You are important. You are change agents. You are influencers. You are. That's who you are. In 1855, a Sunday school school teacher in Chicago by the name of Ed Kimball, he was teaching a Sunday school class, and he'd walk around the neighborhood, and he would invite people to his Sunday school class. And he walked in a shoe store, and there and there was a shoe salesman named Dwight Moody. And just his ordinary, everyday, probably average at best, shoe salesman, uh, a Sunday school teacher, walked in and talked with this shoe salesman and shared the gospel with him, and Moody accepted Christ. D.L. Moody became one of the greatest evangelists in the 1800s. Moody influenced an English pastor by the name of Frederick Meyer to when he preached, to preach evangelistically. And as a result of that, Meyer influenced a man by the name of Wilbur Chapman to share the message of Jesus with boldness because Wilbur Chapman, by his own story, said that he thought that we shouldn't force our way on anyone else, but Meyer, as a result of Moody's influence, Meyer was influenced to be an evangelist and do the work of evangelist, and he influenced Wilbur Chapman, good English name, to share Jesus with boldness. And as a result of that, Chapman later on influenced a baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday in the area of evangelism and sharing Christ. Billy Sunday became one of the most fiery preachers there were in the 1800s. And in the early 1900s, he would take a team of dogs with him, coon hunting dogs, and he, they would go to a little town and, and he would uh, keep his dogs there and all the men in the church would go hunting after a three or four hour church service every night. And Billy Sunday was just what we would call today probably hellfire and brimstone. Very aggressive, very passionate in his preaching. And... Billy Sunday preached in a North Carolina church. And as a result of his preaching in that church for a few weeks, the church became what was known as a church of prayer. They just began to pray more than they ever had before as a result of the influence that Billy Sunday had on them. And and things began to to happen and, and to grow. And these prayer groups began to flourish up in these in western part of North Carolina in those mountains near Black Mountain North Carolina 
and it just began to just grow and the Holy Spirit was at work. And in one of those prayer meetings, they felt led of the Lord to ask a man by the name of Mordecai Ham come and preach at their church. And Mordecai Ham agreed to come and preach at the church. And during that revival, a man, a young boy, by the name of Billy Graham came to Christ. Isn't that something? Now, how many people has Billy Graham influence to come to Christ? Only heaven knows, right? We don't have a clue. And it, isn't it interesting that we don't know who led Ed Kimball to Christ? We don't know who it was. I mean, but somebody did. Was it his mom and dad? Perhaps. Was it a brother or sister? Perhaps. Was it another Sunday school teacher? Perhaps. Was it just someone in the neighborhood? Perhaps. We have no idea who it was that influenced Edward Kimball. I'd like to know who that is. I'd like to know the, 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 the trail that comes from Billy Graham. But, that's, but this story of, of Kimball, Moody, Meyer, Chapman, Billy Sunday, and then Mordecai Ham, and then Billy Graham, it simply says we are salt and light. We are valuable, we are necessary, we are important, we are change agents, and we are influencers. We are influencers. And so when you read these words to set today and you look at it, understand that Jesus is saying you are salt. You are salt. You are salt. You are salt. He's speaking to you and he's saying you are salt. You are light. That's who you are. Who you are means more than what you do. Understand that as you leave this place today and you go out into the world, you go to your homes, you go to your workplaces tomorrow, you go to school, who you are means more than what you do. You are valuable. You are important. You're a child of the king. You are influencers. Just show up and be who you are. That's Jesus' words. You are salt and you are light. Go and see what the Lord does with that. Go and be the influencer you are. Go and be the change agent you are. Now, like the gorilla, we are to let our light shine. Like the gorilla, we are to fly our freak flag if that makes sense to you. We are to let Jesus out. We are to not be, we are not to hide. We're not to put the light under a bushel. We are not to not, you know, we don't, what good is salt left in the shaker? What good is it? We got salt, but it's in the shaker and we don't ever shake it out. And so letting your light shine is shaking the salt out and letting your light shine. I think this will help you remember what it means to let your light shine. Kids? Yeah.